Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, this section of Proverbs, mostly each verse is an independent statement, but there's a, a, a cluster of verses here that are on the same topic. And the topic is uh, how to have God's blessing on our lives. There, I titled this, uh, this study, Conditions for God's Blessing. I think anybody who's saved and understands God is sovereign and God's the one who's in control of everything would say, yes, I would like God's blessing on my life, on my family, on my work, uh, on my, you know, uh, everything that I do, everything I'm involved in, I would like God's blessing. Uh, this, this is not a, uh, although it's in the context of stewardship, it is not just how to generate more stuff for me. Uh, the world has all kinds of books on that. Some of them are true, some of them are not. But uh, that, that's not what this is. This is God stating for us, as he inspired Solomon to write these Proverbs, this is how you can have my grace, my blessing on your life. So look at Proverbs 11, beginning in verse 24. The Bible says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, but he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief it shall come unto him. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as the branch. And so here God says, if you want my blessing, here are three great principles that would ensure my blessing. Now that does not mean that a person who follows these three principles will never have hardship. Because sometimes hardship, though we don't like it, is really a blessing in the long run. God's trying to either teach us something or prepare us for something as we've seen in James and other studies. The Bible does not contradict itself. Uh, whenever you're reading the Bible and it appears to be a contradiction, it isn't, so go back and approach it from this standpoint. Okay, if it's not a contradiction, what am I missing? What am I overlooking? What am I not seeing clearly? Let God uh, straighten things out. This passage, if you write notes in your Bible, you can write two New Testament references that uh, are parallel to these, uh, this section in Proverbs. One would be Luke 6.36, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. The second reference, and I'd ask you to turn here, we'll read it, is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in every good thing to all bountifulness, which causeth through the, us thanksgiving to God. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, is a parallel of here, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. Now, before I launch into the, the, these principles, let me go ahead and say it now. This is not just about money and finances. It, it is about all of our life. And God wants us to understand that life, as well as the possessions that God graciously gives us, finances, time, talents, are all a stewardship. That means they're not from us. They're given to us by God, and we are to steward them for God and for his work in the lives and through the lives of people. So three one-word principles that are very easy to follow. Number one, there's a principle of generosity. Generosity. Notice verse 24 and 25 once again. And these are almost oxymoronic statements. He says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And contrast now, there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. There's two thoughts here in verses 24 and 25. Verse 24 is the contrast between scattering and withholding. Scattering and withholding. The idea of the word scatter is exactly what you, means. It mean, uh, you think it means. It means to disperse, to distribute, to scatter abroad. It's the idea of a guy uh, sowing the seed in the field, the old broadcast uh, spreader, he sticks his hand in the seed bag, comes out with a full hand and scatters it and goes back in and scatters it. And the idea is if we scatter something, it's already been placed in our possession. It's not go out and find something and share it. No, God has already in our lives given us certain things that he wants us to scatter. By the way, it is very much like our God who is always scattering his blessings, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 44 and 45, uh, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you, 
that verse alone is enough to meditate on. But the next verse says that you're to do that, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. Here it is. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God doesn't just send his rain on a believer's farm. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. What is the Bible teaching us? God does not bless just because we've earned his favor. God blesses because he's God. That's his nature. That's his character. God loves you and me and the whole world, not because somehow we're, we're pleasing him more than we used to. God's love never changes. It never fails. It never diminishes. And he shows his love numerous ways. So we are to be people who scatter that which God gives us. Now, it can be, it can be finances, but it could be encouragement. It could be a plate of... I just lost. There I am. Thank you very much. I don't know where I went, but I'm gone. Uh, it could be a note of encouragement. It could be a phone call to somebody you hear about sick or under the weather. It could be many things that are in our hands that we can use to be a blessing. Psalm 112, verse 5 says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Verse 9, he hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. Now, in, in the financial realm, move it out of the spiritual realm. If you were to meet with a financial planner and say, okay, I've got X number of years that I'm working, how can I prepare for my retirement? One of the key principles that they would encourage you to be involved in is diversify. Don't put everything in one pot because that pot may spring a leak. Diversify. Well, spiritually, God is saying to you and me, we can prosper our soul by scattering being a blessing and not withholding when it's within our hands to do it, as the scripture says. If we're generous with our time, it's always inconvenient, folks. We're all busy. But somebody's moving, somebody has a need. You know what? I'll make time for that. Guess what? You sow, you reap. Our time, our encouragement, our finances, just our life. You know, you can invest your life in someone by just being a listening ear and praying for them. You may not even know how to solve the problem. You may not be able to remove the pressure, but you have invested. You have scattered the, the blessing that God has given to you to them by being there and be available. And of course, an obvious application, the more we scatter the word of God, the more it has the opportunity to take root in soil that is prepared that good ground Jesus talked about in that parable, and there will be a harvest. So the contrast between scattering and withholding. Notice the second half of verse 24. And there is he that withholdeth more than his meat. 
and it tended to, but it tended to poverty. Now notice that phrase, more than is meet. That means that it's not illegitimate to withhold some. It doesn't mean that we're, God wants us to just, well, let's go drain our bank account and go walk down the streets of Toronto and every homeless person we see, we drop a wad of money in their little cup and then we go home and suddenly we're going to be blessed. No, the Bible doesn't tell us to be foolish. The Bible's not teaching us to be ridiculous, but it is saying sometimes we will withhold more than we should. Withhold more than we meet, than is meet. There's a difference between preparing for the future under the guidance of God and hoarding. That's very hard to know unless we keep our heart very tender and we'll come to an application of that at the moment. To withhold means to hold back. Okay, I could make time, but I don't want to, and so I make the excuse I didn't have time. Or I could give that person a moment of concern. I could spend a few moments on my knees in prayer for that person, but you know what? I'm so wrapped up in myself, I don't take time. We withhold more than is me. As I said, this is a bit of a paradox. God is saying, if you want to have my blessing, don't hoard them, scatter them. Because if you withhold more than is meat, you'll come up the loser. It tendeth to poverty. And unfortunately, as we try to balance life, some think, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I've, I've only got so many years, so I'm going to retire. I only have so many opportunities, so i got to stoke it all away and stick it all away at whatever avenue you want to save it. And at the end, you'll find out without God's blessing, it'll never be enough. God's way is that as we, he meets our needs and graciously uh, 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 supplies more than our needs, not to hold it back, but to scatter it and watch God bless that scattering to which we are the beneficiaries of. The blessing of giving is a blessing you don't understand, we cannot understand because it's contrary to our thinking. Let me give you some Bible examples. How about the widow of Zarephath? 1 Kings 17. She was destitute. It was just enough to make one last meal for her son. You can read it. She said, we're going to eat this and we're going to go sit and wait till we die. It was a famine. There was no hope of any, uh, any kind of uh, resolution to that or any kind of provision in that and God sent Elijah which I'm glad God's never put me in that position because I'd feel like the world's biggest creep uh, why don't you feed me first then God will take care of you she exercised faith in the message of God she did what Elijah said and guess what every day there was just enough meal and just enough oil to provide for her and her son until the famine was ended. She scattered out of that which she had rather than withholding it, which would have caused her and her son to die. 
Uh, we have the church in 2 Corinthians 8. Out of their poverty, they gave and were a huge blessing. Obviously, they made it through. Paul wrote the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 4, and said, you gave out of your difficulty so that I could continue on in the ministry. And he gave that great verse of scripture that many of us claim, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in, by, in Christ Jesus. But then we have the negative example. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. We have the story of this man by the name of Nabal. The Bible says about Nabal, he was a churlish man. He was, he was a fool is really what his name means. The quick story is David and his men had protected Nabal and he had flourished. But David and his men being on the road, they, he sent a couple of his men to Nabal to say, look, you know, we've made sure nothing happened to you. The enemies didn't take anything from you. Would you give a little bit to help us take care of the men? And he said, who do you think you are? I'm not going to give you anything. Now notice 1 Samuel 25 verse number 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Listen to the personal pronouns here. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. A little self-focused, don't you think? Look down to verse number 38. So he didn't give David anything. David was going to go clean his clock. He was just going to wipe him out, but God restrained him from doing that because God had another plan. Verse 38 says, and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. He had the opportunity to be a blessing, but he withheld it and it led to his poverty. The second principle is in verse 25, and that is not only the contrast between being generous or withholding, but the lesson on when you water, you're watered yourself. Verse 25 says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. The word liberal does not mean generous primarily. It means to be a source of blessing. To show favor. To be an encouragement. It's used in other places in the Old Testament to speak of God's blessing on the righteous. The word fat, you say the word fat and everybody runs and hides because it tends to find us. No, I don't want to be fat. But the word has nothing to do with our physical appearance or condition, but it has everything to do with the spiritual condition of our soul. 
In the Bible, the word fat is a word of flourishing, of health, of prosperity. It literally means to set aside or to anoint, to satisfy, to become prosperous. So the liberal soul shall be made fat. The more that we are seeking to be a blessing to others, we find inner health and prosperity in our soul. I can never read this verse of scripture and not think of my brother-in-law, Jan's older brother, Dan. He's a pastor in Michigan. He's about an inch taller than me, and he's always been a lot huskier than me. And one day, you know, we were talking about, well, I probably should lose some weight. He said, not me. He said, you can't have a fat soul in a skinny body. It's a theological truth. And I always think, I, I, you know, I might as well draw his picture here. I think of Uncle Dan, you know, as my kids call him. You can't have a fat soul in a skinny body. So all you skinny people, I don't know what that says about you. But anyway, it's not something I've ever had to worry about. But the point it's saying is, again, the investment of our life in others. You know, when you pray for somebody, you're more blessed than they are. When you communicate grace to somebody, you sit down and write a note to encourage them. Many times you are more encouraged for the effort than they are for the reception. Certainly, the giving of finances and benevolence and helping people in need, uh, whether or not they know who you are, it was a blessing last week or two weeks ago to hear some people anonymously putting money on college students' bills and them writing notes to the church at large because they didn't know who did it, just to say, thank you for showing the love of Christ to me. Certainly they were encouraged, but you who watered were watered yourself. You see, the blessings we sow, the, the, the kindness we invest, the grace that we show in the lives of others, God multiplies and returns to us. There's a principle of sowing and reaping, right? Let's think about that logically. For every seed you plant, is that all you get back? If so, you wouldn't plant any seed. But for every seed you sow, you get multiplied of that back. That's the principle. And as we give financially, as we give our time, as we are purposeful of being an encouragement, it is multiplied back. Perfect illustration. I have the wonderful privilege as my job, at least a portion of my job, to study the word of God, to stand up and preach to you three or four times a week. And when I teach pulpit speech next year, that's on the, on the agenda, I tell the guys it's, it's a six to eight hour project per sermon. So you think on my average week I preach at least three times, sometimes four times, sometimes more than that. It is work, no doubt. Anybody who's ever taught knows it's work. But who gets the greater blessing for spending those hours in the word of God to be a blessing? Me. 
me. There's so much more than what I can share with you in a sermon. I'm, I'm taking those hours in the research and sometimes rabbit trails and thoughts that never even make it into the notes and other things that are stored away. I've got a whole desk drawer of sermon ideas for the future. Uh, the way it's going, I'm, I'm not going to exhaust that drawer, folks. But who gets the greater blessing? Me. Now, I hope the sermons are a blessing in spite of the roughness of my voice and the different things here lately. But I receive far more than I can ever give. And the lesson is that God wants us to be a blessing. And, and don't, don't narrow it down only to finances, but don't diminish finances either. You know, uh, I had a friend who surrendered. He was an assistant pastor. He surrendered to go to the mission field. And now, you know the drill if you've been in our church very long. Missionaries call all these churches. They make appointments. They uh, go and to the church. They present their work. They pray the church will take them on for support. And over the course of a year or two, they raise their support. Well, Keith, he was going to Argentina. He and his wife, and I think he had two young children at that time. Because he'd been in the ministry a little bit, he, he had a little more mature thought on it. He said, you know what? I'm going to every missions conference that I get a meeting to to be a blessing, not to receive a blessing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just spend my time with the other missionaries and find out who's struggling the most, and I'm going to give that missionary 50 bucks. And he went to every missions conference with a $50 bill in his pocket. He testified at the end of his deputation. By the way, he raised his entire support in just 13 months when the average at that time was 18 months to two years. And he said, I'll tell you why I honestly believe that happened, because I was sowing, not going to reap. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. The way I read that is, cast your bread upon the waters, and fresh hot cinnamon rolls will come back to you. It's always better. It's always better. Whatever you give, it's always going to come back. Give your life to others. Give time. I hope this doesn't sound self-serving, but I'll tell it anyway. If it does, forgive me. I pastored in Michigan, as you know, Pastor Baptist Church over 15 years. There was an older couple in the church. He was a retired meat cutter, a lay preacher. They had a wonderful family, six children. Uh, two of them were in full-time ministry. All of them were faithful to God, serving the Lord. His one son pastored a church down in Virginia. I didn't know his son very well. I never went down and preached for him. I think I had his son preach one time when he was home visiting his mom and dad. We were not close at all. One of our young men right now is scheduling meetings because he believes God wants him to go plant a church. He decided to call Baptist churches in that state, Virginia. And he called this particular pastor. And that pastor said to him, he said, you know what? I'll, I'll have you come in and I'll, I'll consider taking you on for support because Brother Wall was my parents' pastor and I always appreciated his ministry. 
All I did was invest in his parents. I had no idea. But God brings it around. And when I got the text telling me that story, I really, honestly, I nearly wept. I thought, you know, God, only you can do that. When you invest your life in others, you will be taught much more. You'll, you'll have more blessing. You'll have more comeback. When you comfort others, you'll receive more comfort. The Bible says comfort with the comfort wherewith we've been comforted. First Corinthians, I think it's chapter number one. You pray for others, guess what? Others will pray for you. God knows our story. And he knows when we need that reaping time. And his timing's always perfect. Well, generosity. Number two, purpose. Look at verse 26 back in our text. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come to him. God not only blesses generosity, God blesses when... We are that way on purpose. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, I read to you earlier. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, out of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. What's he saying? Go looking for opportunities. Don't make them smack you upside the head. When you seek to be a blessing, God, help me be a blessing to somebody today. You know what? If you prayed that every morning and you remained sensitive to God, you'd have an opportunity every single day. But to withhold what you are able to do brings a curse rather than a blessing. Think about Joseph in Egypt as as Pharaoh put him in that position to set aside on the plenteous years. Imagine If Pharaoh said, you know what, we're not going to help anybody. This is just for us to survive. Imagine the riot. Imagine how they would have been hated. But because they were able to be a blessing out of their resources, they were elevated among the nations. Look, God not only gives to us, he gives us the opportunity to give in his name by being a steward. And 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 says, being enriched in everything unto all bountifulness. Look, folks, we live in a very prosperous land. I know we got inflation, and I know there's things going on in the world, and things have been a little wonky with the you know, stock market and all that stuff. But look, we could go to 95% of the rest of the world, and we'd want to come back. Why has God been good to us? Being enriched to all bountifulness. You know, God doesn't increase our income so we can just increase our standard of living. I like what Dr. Sisk said so many times. God isn't trying to increase our standard of living, but our standard of giving. That's a great statement. Now, there's several ways you can apply that in business. Businesses sometimes have to invest to expand and grow. If if you're not willing to invest, you're not going to expand your business. But it's also true in the stewardship of, of a believer's life. 
when we're generous with what God has given us, being it our time, our talent, our treasure. Now, God will not be your debtor. God will more than bless in, in ways beyond just dollars. And certainly regarding the word of God. Why? Every year am I encouraging us, let's step out, let's go further into the world, let's give more for missions, let's reach deeper. Why? Because God's enabled us to do that. So generosity, purpose, last word is the word trust. Look at verse 28. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall. But the righteous shall flourish as a branch. The danger of putting your trust in that which can disappear. It's a great study. I'd encourage you. Take your commentary or your concordance and look up in the Old Testament the hundreds, I think it's 140, 150 times the Old Testament tells us to put our trust in God. Psalm 2, verse 12, blessed are, are all they that put their trust in him. Psalm 40, verse 4, blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. That word trust in the Old Testament is a one of those mountain peak words it's a word for faith it's a word for belief it has the idea of taking our refuge in God or putting our whole uh, self on God or finding our uh, uh, our our foundation in God what is the Old Testament Psalms re uh, repeatedly remind us God is our rock our fortress our high tower in whom we can find our refuge. So what are you trusting in? Notice it says when you trust, when we trust in our riches, we shall fall. That word means to be cast down, to be humbled, to be taken low. Some years ago, I told you the story of a young man, a I could give you his name. I could drive you to his parents' house. After the, uh, the stock market bubble burst back in uh, 2007 or 2008, uh, the tech market, right in that time frame, he told me about watching his personal portfolio. He was doing day trading. And he watched uh, $250,000 disappear before he could stop. That would be a bitter pill to swallow, wouldn't it? You say, well, you know, things are far more secure. That couldn't happen today. They probably said that in 1929, too. God is the one who's in control. And I'm not saying you shouldn't invest. I'm not saying you shouldn't save. I'm not saying you shouldn't prepare for retirement. Don't, don't miss the point. The point is, where is your trust? Thank God if he's enabled you to, to set aside. But if that's all you can think about, counting up those dollars and margining it off and not seeing opportunities 
to scatter and be a blessing, and not just financially. How about time? None of us tithe our time in service to God, do we? Just, just investing in people. What is the only thing that's eternal around us? Souls of men and women, boys and girls. All the stuff disappears. So our trust and security is to be in the Lord alone. And when we trust in the Lord, like the righteous, verse 28, will we'll flourish like the branch. Again, an Old Testament uh, picture, a metaphor of being what we're supposed to be and doing what God made us for. What's the point of an apple tree? Bear apples. What's the point of a believer's life? To bear fruit. John 15 makes it clear. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Now the whole point of the message or the Bible study tonight is not about wealth per se. It's not that being wealthy is wrong. It's not being successful is wrong. Many of those kind of people in the Bible. What it is a message about is our attitude toward it. Is it mine? Is it God's to use however he wants? Our trust, our confidence, our security is to be found in the only one who is trustworthy. And his name is God. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It sounds very familiar to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You want God's blessing? Be generous. Not just dollars with your life. You want God's blessing? Be purposeful. God, help me to be a blessing to somebody today. Who should I pray for? Who should I call? Who should I text? Who should I visit? Who can I be a blessing to? You want God's blessing? Sink the roots of your trust in him and him alone. And let him Show you ways to scatter and not withhold so that you can have a fat soul that pleases God.